Hi, and welcome to the Domestic CEO Podcast. I'm Amanda Thomas. My husband and I built a house about eight years ago in a suburban neighborhood. The house is on your typical suburban cul-de-sac with sidewalks that lead straight into front doors, driveways that lead straight into garages, and block walls that surround big backyards. While this type of neighborhood is great for keeping things looking pristine, it comes at a cost because no one hangs out in their front yards. If you live in a neighborhood like this, there's a good chance you can count on your fingers and toes the number of times you talk to your neighbors in a year. The neighborhood isn't set up to facilitate interactions, so the neighbors need to take it upon themselves to meet and greet each other. One way you can do this is through a neighborhood block party. This gathering is a great way to get a whole bunch of your neighbors together all at once. During that time, the goal is to let everyone meet, learn more about each other, and hopefully even figure out a few neighborhood issues. There's a sense of bonding that happens when you break bread with others. So if you want to help create more sense of community in your neighborhood, follow these eight steps to throw a neighborhood block party of your own. I do have a favor to ask of my listeners first, though. You know that we have great advertisers that support this show and keep it free for you. One of the reasons why advertisers love the Domestic CEO Show is that they know the show has amazing listeners like you. Right now, we have a survey that I'd like you to take to help us learn more about our audience. Just go to podsurvey.com slash domestic. It'll only take you a few minutes. We're going to ask you some questions about yourself and what you like to buy, but it's completely anonymous. Your answers will help us find advertisers that are well-matched to you, your interests, therefore this show. So when you're finished, you can also enter a monthly drawing to win a $100 Amazon gift card. So even if you've taken a podcast listener survey before, please go and take this one to help support the Domestic CEO Show. Don't forget that you have that chance to win a $100 gift card. Once again, it's podsurvey.com slash domestic. Now we'll get back to the tips. Step number one is to gather a couple of co-planners. Once you've decided to plan a neighborhood get-together, ask a couple neighbors to help you plan the shindig. You may or may not actually need their help to do the logistical planning, but by getting a few others involved, you'll immediately get more buy-in from the neighborhood. You probably know a couple neighbors better than others, so wrangle them into your plan. Hopefully, if you all talk about the party with your neighbors you each know, soon there will be an excited buzz in the community about the event. Step number two is to pick a date. When you're determining the date of any party, It's always good to look at a calendar and avoid any national or religious holidays. The last thing you want is to get your entire party planned only to have people start sending in their no RSVPs because you scheduled the party for Labor Day weekend and everyone is taking one last camping trip. To increase the chances of people being able to come to a party, I found it's often best to pick a very obscure weekend or one that directly precedes or follows a holiday weekend. This is also the step to figure out what time you want to hold your party. Do you want to do a morning brunch, an afternoon of games, or an evening open house? If you have a neighborhood full of kids, it's often better to pick a weekend afternoon to avoid all the morning sports and activities that kids are involved in. If you have mostly adults in your neighborhood, you may want to choose an early evening event because less people will have to get babysitters. Remember that you're never going to please everyone with your choice of time but the goal is to accommodate the most amount of people possible with this event. Step number three is to pick a location. This step has to happen almost simultaneously with picking the date 
because you need to make sure that the location you want to hold the party is available on the date you pick. If you pick a great date, but then find out the location you want to have the party is unavailable, you have to start all over. Also, when you're picking a location, make sure to check to make sure you're following your community and city rules. Your neighborhood association may require paperwork be filed to hold an event in any of the green spaces within the community. And your city may require a permit be filed if you're going to use a city park or block off part of a street. Make sure you've asked all the permissions you need so your party doesn't get shut down or fined. Step number four is to create invitations. So once you have your date, time, and location, it's time to start inviting the neighbors. A community email list is the easiest way to invite everyone, but if you don't have one created, there are a few other options to reach the maximum number of people. Our neighborhood has community mailboxes, which are a great place to post signs about an upcoming event. If you choose this option, use a plastic sheet cover to protect the paper announcement. Otherwise, with the first rain, your invitation will be a smeared mess. You can also invest a little time into creating poster board signs to display at the entrances of your neighborhood. Think yard sale signs, but these will have the simple message of the name of the event, time, date, and location. These signs will hopefully get people talking and direct them to the person who can give them more information. You can also go door to door and leave flyers with your neighbors. If no one answers the door, leave a flyer in the place where your neighbors will easily find it when they come home. However you decide to invite your neighbors, make sure to include the following information on the invitations. Date, time, and location. What will be provided by the hosts? What will each person need to bring for themselves? And the contact information in case of questions and to RSVP if you want them to RSVP. Step number five, coordinate entertainment. Depending on the type of event you're planning and the money you want to put in the event, there are a wide variety of things you can provide as entertainment. If you're going to provide anything that involves water, like water guns, water balloons, slip and slides, that sort of stuff, you may want to have a designated time to have those available. Not everyone in your neighborhood will appreciate getting hit in the face with a super soaker by a rogue 10-year-old, so keep water activities under wrap until everyone is done eating. You may want to consider hiring a professional for two specific activities. The first would be a pool party. If you're going to have neighbors gather at a pool for a few hours, consider calling a local pool and asking if you can hire a couple lifeguards for the duration of the party. It is way too easy for adults to lose track of kids at a big event, so make sure the little ones stay safe by having designated people watch the pool. The other activity I'd recommend hiring a licensed professional company for is if you decide to use a large inflatable house. You may think you want to save a few bucks by using one of the neighbor's inflatable bounce houses or renting it from a random person on Craigslist, but that may put your kids in extreme danger. If bounce houses aren't properly secured to the ground, a big gust of air can lift them high into the air with the kids inside. Professional companies provide proper anchoring of the bounce houses, so take a little extra time and money to make sure all the kiddos stay safe. Step number six are the reminders. Once everything's in place, you'll want to remind the neighborhood of the event. The entire week before, consider posting new signs to remind people of the fun upcoming event. Everyone has a lot of things going on these days, so keep your party at the front of their thoughts by continuing to build the excitement up to the day of the event. Step number seven is to bring name tags. 
You know that awkward moment where you start a conversation with the guy who lives three houses down and realize that while you've lived next to him for six years, you don't actually know his name? Help everyone avoid that situation by providing name tags and black markers at the event. Ask everyone to clearly write their name and house number on the tag. This will allow people to clearly identify who lives on their street and allow them to pretend like they already knew their names. And step number eight is to announce an end time. If there will be alcohol at your block party, this tip is especially important. There are two groups of people that you never want to get an awkward state of drunkness with. Coworkers and neighbors. By setting a designated time for everyone to go home, you can hopefully avoid any situations that will make your living arrangements uncomfortable. Imagine learning that tequila makes your neighbor's clothes fall off. Or that the guy across the street from you is a really angry drunk. Sometimes, it's best to not know everything about the people in our neighborhoods. And having a time to shut down the party is a good way to avoid learning too much. There are so many advantages to knowing your neighbors. If you're feeling like your area could use a little more community feeling, step up and start planning a neighborhood block party to get to know your others. You'll likely have a great time and your neighbors will appreciate it. Until next time, I'm the domestic CEO, helping you love your home. And remember to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. And feel free to share tips of your own block parties.